Thank you so much for joining me today. You guys know by now what my podcast is about, but for those who are joining us for the first time, it's a literary analysis podcast, and we move through different books, uh, mostly obscure or difficult titles, classics most of the time, uh, that anyone can really listen to and get through it. So whether you're reading the book with me or just listening along, whatever age or level you are of reading, you'll be able to grasp the story at hand here with me and also hear cool insights into the author's life or the book. Um, You'll also hear cool voice acting for the characters. The characters will have their own musical themes. Um, Just a lot of cool things like that, basically. You can hear much more insight into that type of thing in my first episode, where I talk uh, a lot about what my beliefs are and what my goals with this are, um, with this podcast are, really. Um, So I hope you guys have listened to all prior episodes. They're great in order. Uh, And I hope you guys are all caught up and ready to take this with me. So before I start, please let me begin this episode with a very short excerpt from my notebook. It goes like this. What true artist is not ready, absolutely, to thrust out his bare soul, allowing themselves to be blatantly viewed from all angles? How frightening yet wholesomely invigorating it must be. Thank you guys for listening to that short passage. And it goes along with all that I say and what I believe in. Something I tell you guys all the time and try to reinforce in your hearts and your minds. It's that if you are ready to create and ready to put your soul into your work, as you will if you are serious about putting something emotional out into the world, then you need to be ready to be viewed from all angles. Every true artist in this world stands nude, truly, with their heart bright red on their sleeveless arm. It's a scary thing, undoubtedly, but something that is unmatched in its honesty. To paint your soul onto a canvas and hang it for everyone to see. To pour your heart into a song for everyone to hear. It's scary. You are putting yourself out there with no filter. And we're scared naturally, and rightfully so. Since what we put out is a true depiction of ourselves, how we feel inside. So when someone judges it, or critiques it, it hurts us. It's hard to hear. But this is part of the life of an artist. Whether you take a review to heart is up to you. But I believe you should always push past these self-set boundaries. Let yourself flourish and evolve. Not by the words of a critic, but by your own freedom of artistry. What scares me, honestly, more than anything, is that thought that the beautiful art inside of you might not emerge due to the fear of being seen or judged. I hope you put yourself out there. I know you can. And if you want some help, if you want to remain anonymous and share your works, whatever it may be, please reach out to me. I'd absolutely love to speak with you about whatever it is. If it's a struggle you're going through right now, if you need someone to talk to and lean on, if you want me to give you some you know, song ideas to listen to or uh, some books that you might read that might help you out at the time, I'd love to be that ear to listen to or that shoulder for you, or I'd love to give you some awesome recommendations for whatever you're going through right now. So please, please reach out to me, guys. I'm always online. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and I'll always message you back no matter what it's about, even if it's something that's not good.
We've spoken so far about a number of things regarding this wonderful book, Herman Melville's Moby Dick. We've seen underlying themes, typology, wailing, manifest destiny, friendship, heartbreak, lament, mystery, foreshadowing, and so much more just in the first quarter of this book. It's been an amazing and fun ride so far. I can't even tell you guys how much I've enjoyed making this podcast and interacting with you guys. It's just been wonderful. Thank you to all the listeners out there and the great reviews and comments you left for me. Also, thank you to the podcasters who have inspired me, such as, but not limited to, Ryan Krause, Jack Luna, there's many more. Thank you guys very much. And especially thank you to those who have interacted with me, had me on their show, or spoken with me regarding mine. Thank you Taylor, Piper, Sandy, Roz, and many more. Wherever you're listening to this, I'd love for you to subscribe to me and find me on Instagram or Facebook, iTunes, CastBox, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. Please follow wherever you can and share with the reader in your life. I would love to hear from my listeners as well. Let's talk literature. It doesn't have to be serious. Congratulations to the winner of the free books. I hope you all will send me your writings so I can read them on the show and talk about them. Not to be criticized. No, I don't do that. Just to share. You can be an amateur writer or professional. Any kind of piece is welcome. Please send any and everything to nightreadercast at yahoo.com or message me on Facebook. like to take a moment and talk about a few pages I'm interested in that are doing really great things. Pages I think you should follow or check out. Firstly, if you have not heard of Ryan Krause's Cold Case Murder Mysteries, it is my highest recommended podcast. This man is truly brilliant and is going to be huge someday. The way he dissects the mind is truly something to behold. He not only talks about the minds behind the crimes, but has so much great advice on life in general. He has hundreds of episodes. Check him out on any podcast platform. I believe he has a Patreon as well. Another cool thing, Piper Picks TV, who's very talented. She sings, acts, and hosts YouTube channels as well as TV interviews. She has an awesome singing voice and is super talented at what she does. She has a really cool, positive attitude that I just love. She's featured on YouTube at Piper Picks TV, and you can see her on Nickelodeon and Disney as well. A really cool Instagram page, a bookstagram type, with a lot of cool pictures and book recommendations, is the Bookaholic page on Instagram. There are quite a few, but this one is Robin underscore the reader. This reading advocate and photographer has some gorgeous shots on her page. Follow her and stay up to date with the great book recommendations. Another similar page worth recommending and mentioning 
with thousands of shots of books and fantastic love for literature and awesome recommendations is a page on Instagram by the name of a bookaholic S-W-E-D-E that's all one word I'm not exactly sure how she says that if you can say it maybe it's a bookaholic Swede like Sweden I'm not sure but check out her Instagram she has so many cool pictures and awesome books that I hadn't even heard of that I'm gonna put on my list now I'll link these pages on Facebook or Instagram but they're all very inspiring and great to follow if you're into books or any kind of media really I'd like to say that I'm very proud of what I've been able to achieve so far although it's small it's a great first stepping stone for me I really loved making all the prior episodes despite the few quirks here and there I would absolutely love for y'all to catch up with me before we get to the book at hand. And if you do have a copy, go ahead and grab it and follow along. Or just relax and have a listen. I'll iron out all the details for you. You can hear the entire story without reading a word if you wish. If you'd like to catch up on the prior episodes, they are great in order. Besides the Your Favorite Reads episode. So the first six are all going to be on Moby Dick. The sixth one is uh, your favorite reads, and seven is back on Moby Dick as well as this one. Episode nine is going to be another your favorite reads. So if you heard that episode and enjoyed it, please reach out to me so we can talk about your favorite book, and I can bring you on, whether it's through voice or text. In the last episode, Ishmael expressed his pain and lament towards those that will go on to perish on this journey. It is a very deep excerpt. After seven episodes, today, we are going to meet the great Captain Ahab. And I hope you're as excited as I am. As he has been spoken of a lot through the story so far. Many good things, but many bad things. And all mysterious. If you recall in episode four and five, the odd and frightening prophecies from the coincidental prophet, Elijah, not to mention all the foreboding signs Ishmael notices in the first chapters. Well, we have solidified our journey, and we are close to hearing our main goal and focus, though it is almost a given at this point. There's going to be a great meeting here at sea, new characters introduced that are central to the story. Some format and perspective changes in the book as Herman switches to third-person descriptions, then to Ahab's perspective and back to Ishmael's for a while. There are storms brewing around the globe of our adventure, and in our small little whaling world and vessel, floating upon the high and dangerous seas, the crew is truly at the mercy of Captain Ahab and his deadly endgame. It's a frightening thing and watching the different reactions and different clashings of personalities surrounding him is incredibly interesting. Each character is well fleshed out and very unique in their beliefs, mannerisms, and their looks. My favorite character is Ishmael, hands down. I love Queequeg as well, he's right up there on my list. And I'd love to hear your favorite characters so far. But like I mentioned, it is a vast story truly in every right and in that nature it is a very rewarding piece of literature to read 
honestly, it's one of the most rewarding experiences that I have ever had as a reader, making my way through this book. I understand how great a simple read can be, but there is something about this challenge where I can just never get enough of it. It's a thrill that might be hard for some people to relate to. I hope you can find a book that excites you to this extent, and I'm positive that you will or already have at some point in your life. Please let me know what stories have done this for you. With that being said though, let's dive right back into where we left off. After Ishmael advocates for the whaling business, it is time for us to meet some great new characters. I hope I can do justice in separating them in your mind for you. We come to chapter 26, titled, Knights and Squires. Before we meet Captain Ahab in this hierarchy, him being the ship's king, so to say, we are going to meet his entrusted knights and their squires. The great whaling vessel, the Pequod, and all of its crew are led by Captain Ahab. Under him, you've got the chief mate, the second mate, and the third mate, the king's knights. And each of these knights has a squire, or a man who attends to that knight, before becoming a knight himself, essentially. The knight's second-hand men. So we've got a handful of new characters introduced to us here, one after another, six of them, the three head mates under Ahab and their respective harpooners, or the three knights and their three squires. This is a great and beautifully descriptive portion of the book, a really gorgeous chapter. So let's meet him. The first chief mate of the Pequod is Starbuck, a native of Nantucket, about 30 years of age. This chapter is a very descriptive one through the voice of a narrator and much background information is given. We will try to stick to the most important aspects of each character. Anyway, Starbuck, a man of resilience. He could thrive in the harshest weathers. He was tall and lean, but not in an unhealthy way. I love that the book describes what you can see as you look into his eyes. Brave as they were, you can see the pain of a thousand hardships there. He's very down to earth and careful, courageous, but not in a foolish way. Some softness still shone through in this man, though he'd grown a bit suspicious and wary of the world around him. We are told at one time he had a wife and children, and therefore, he is less cautious and less daring than his other mates. He believes a fearless man is far more dangerous than a coward. I will have no man on my boat who is not afraid of a whale, he says. But in this descriptive chapter, we are met with some very sad revelations about Starbuck. According to Ishmael, Starbuck is going to meet a very difficult situation at some point. Ishmael, in his mind, asks the rhetorical questions. What doom was Starbuck's own father's? And where in the bottomless depths could he find the torn limbs of his own brother? So we know this man has pain inside. Ish can tell by looking at him that he could face nearly any physical hardship. But it's the mental battle that Starbuck will eventually lose. A skinny yet strong, tall and lean man. Now, Ishmael tells us that it will be revealed that Starbuck's fortitude will break eventually. We don't know how or why or what yet, 
but Ishmael expresses to us that it is difficult to write down, that he hardly has their heart to write it. He calls it sorrowful and shocking. He says that men as a species, in seeing his fellow lose his fortitude and fall apart, as fellow men we should be quick to throw our costliest robes over him, to help him. I quote, that immaculate manliness we feel within ourselves, so far within us, that it remains intact though all the outer character seems gone, bleeds with keenest anguish at the undraped spectacle of a valor ruined man." Unquote. Very strong words. Ishmael then asks us, the readers, and God, to not judge him on his judgments, or rather, his explanations and observations of these men. As some of them are not all so great. He asks us to bear with him. If he shouldn't say great things about bad men, well, God does too, and God forgives the worst trespasses. But is this Ishmael speaking, or is it Herman Melville expressing this? I definitely feel Herman is speaking here. I'm not sure if this has been discussed elsewhere. He makes some references to some bad men in history that have been glorified over time. But with this all being said, Ishmael does say there is some hope for Starbuck, and he may come out scathed, but alive. It's something we'll have to wait and see. Next, we have the second chief mate, by the name of Stubb, a man of utmost carelessness, the type to whistle a tune while face to face with the most ferocious beast. The whole voyage seemed like a fun trip to him. He was happy-go-lucky, good-humored, now there is a great section here describing what makes Stubb so carefree. The thing that helped bring out this carefree attitude was Stubb's tobacco pipe. Remember folks, this was over a hundred years ago, and man this is a cool section. The pipe was as much a feature of his face as his nose was. He wasn't without it, ever. He even kept a whole rack within easy reach of where he slept, with pipes ready loaded. And whenever he got ready for bed, he smoked them all, lighting each pipe with the ember of the last one, until they were all smoked out. Then he'd load them full again to be ready for the morning. The crew says that when short stub gets dressed, first goes his pipe into his mouth, then on go his trousers. I love the line Ishmael says regarding Stubb's continuous smoking. I quote, I say this continual smoking must have been one cause, at least, of his peculiar disposition. For everyone knows that this earthly air, whether ashore or afloat, is terribly infected with the nameless miseries of the numberless mortals who have died exhaling it. And as in the time of cholera, some people go about with the comparated handkerchief to their mouths, so likewise, against all mortal tribulations, Stubb's tobacco smoke might have operated as a sort of disinfecting agent." Unquote. Who knows how literal that is, but it is awesome and entertaining line for sure. It's a mystical type of thing, and many peoples in history have had fascinations or mystical beliefs regarding tobacco. Now it's time to meet our third mate, and his name is Flask. He is a short, stout man, a bit younger and very smart when it comes to whales. And boy, did he have something out for those creatures. He almost did this for sport, it seemed. It also seemed that he had some deep underlying hatred towards the beasts, the whales. 
The thought of beauty and majesticness in these creatures had completely left his mind, as well as any apprehension or sense of danger regarding them. He put his life on the line just to destroy these whales. It was in fact an ignorant fearlessness that made him dangerous. We hear a bit more about Flask's small, sturdy frame. That's all that there is to be said of him at this point. Ishmael says that these three men were momentous. If and when Captain Ahab made the order to drop down into the watery battlefield, they would be the leaders of those small companies. He compares them to Gothic knights of old, always accompanied by a squire, a harpooner, who aids them by handing them a fresh harpoon when one breaks. And usually, the so-called knight and squire would be close friends and always together, with the squire having a duty to the knight and the knights having a duty to Captain Ahab, and with the three knights being introduced, we will meet their squires or protectors, one of which we already know well. Starbuck, the chief mate, has chosen friendly Queequeg as his squire. What's up, Q? Next, Stubb's squire. His name is Tashtigo, or Tashtigo, however you want to say it. I'm sure there's a lot of ways you could pronounce it. He's an unmixed Indian from one of the last remaining tribes in Massachusetts, whose men often came to Nantucket Fishery to be harpooners, and they were very skilled. He had long, straight black hair and high cheekbones and black round eyes. They were oriental in how large they were, but Antarctic in their glittering expression. He had the blood of a warrior hunter, no doubt. Third, and finally, was Short Flask's helper, by the name of Dagu, a great, immensely tall and powerful African man. Two large golden hooped earrings hung from his ears. Ish says a white man standing before him was like a white flag being waved in truce, and humorously, he stood six foot five next to the tiny short little flask. Well, we've met them all, and Ishmael goes on to say that the remainder of the crew is very diverse in their background, a mix of men from all over the world, who on this voyage may never return from where they were born. And Ishmael references one young man named Pip, a poor Alabama boy, Ishmael calls him. He says that he will surely perish on this voyage at some point. This young man, Pip, was seen as a sort of coward by all his mates. Although, by the way he beat his tambourine in jolliness, he was always called upon by the crew to lift their spirits with a song. But full of terror was he, and always. Ish says that he beats his tambourine in glory for the angels, a short respect towards the young man's inevitable death. Now, my night readers, a momentous moment is upon us. The reveal of Old Thunder himself, the great Captain Ahab. We will learn his true motives, and you will get the chance to make a judgment about him. Is he a good or bad man? Is he right in his beliefs? We may need some more information to ascertain that. Chapter 28 is simply entitled Ahab. It's been several days now since the Pequod has left Nantucket. Not a single glimpse of the captain had been seen by a single person. Every time Ishmael came up from below deck, he'd glance around the ship, looking for a new face. He was perturbed. He was dying to see this man by now, with all he had heard about him. 
He remembered the homeless prophet Elijah's voice in his head, and it rang over and over again. He tries to laugh it off at times, but there's this dark feeling he just can't deny. When he thinks of the three chief mates and their squires, he feels a bit better. At least he knew they were in capable hands. The weather had been cold since they left, but they eventually leave that weather behind and enter into some sunny and windy weather. Someone had mentioned that once the weather was warmer, Ahab would make himself present. Ishmael walks up from below deck one morning and looks left. A shivers fall over him. There, on the quarter deck, was Captain Ahab. This man had no visible sign of sickness about him or any signs that he had recently recovered from one. A tall and broad man with a chest of bronze, it seemed, built like a strong statue. From his gray hairs on his temple, a huge white mark emerged, a scar that ran down his face, neck, and down onto his body, like a tree struck by lightning, still green and alive, but terribly damaged down the center. Whether he was born with this mark or it had been made somehow throughout life, Ishmael did not know. There was a rumor going around that Ahab received the mark out at sea in an elemental strife, but this was never proven and most likely was just a rumor someone made up about Ahab being struck by lightning or something. This great man was so striking to Ishmael, and the huge mark upon him sent shivers down his spine. He'd hardly noticed the barbaric white leg on which he stood. It was apparently made from the polished bone of a sperm whale's jaw. There were rumors as well that he and his boat had both been dismasted and like he was forced to fix the mast of his ship while out at sea, he too was forced to fix his leg, and that's why it's made out of whalebone. Ahab was facing away from him, standing quite erect. There were holes bored throughout the deck, about half an inch deep, where he could place his bone leg to help him balance. His hand was up on the shrouds, and he gazed out onto the sunny sea, Ahab of old. He seemed willful, fixed, and determined. The three mates definitely showed wariness and worry about being under this man's watch. But before long, without a word to anyone, Ahab goes down. After that day, he was repeatedly seen on deck more and more, either standing in one of his small holes, or seated upon an ivory chair, or pacing the decks endlessly. As the weather became warmer, he became less reclusive. He almost seemed unnecessary to the ship, though, as he stood there. Captain Ahab, making himself visible to all. I think we should recollect all we know of him, just in case you've forgotten some of the finer details. In prior episodes, we spoke about his origins and how people on the island of Nantucket view him. Almost everyone knows of him. Y'all remember the prophet Elijah and how he called Ishmael out in his perilous journey. He told him surely they would perish under the hand of Captain Ahab, as well as the curious connection of Ahab's biblical name, as well as Elijah's. It's all too much of a coincidence, and it's downright scary. I can imagine the worry Ishmael has setting in, Let's take a listen to his inner monologue. 
being on board this whaling vessel for four years, under the command of a seemingly mad and dangerous captain, the way the prophet spoke to me. However, there is something elegant about him, something almost righteous in how he carries himself. It almost makes you rethink the whole thing. Maybe this man is good. Dismasted was he, and some vengeance he surely seeks. But does this make him a bad man? I can't say. And that bright white scar shone of indignity. He wore it proud. Surely this man wouldn't bring the whole crew to their fate, just for his foolish revenge. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. Ah, Ishmael. We can hear and see his fear and worry for the future. He's caught up in this adventure. And like Elijah the prophet said, his name is already on the contract. Penned. And so is his fate. We know from the first episode that Ishmael's very down-to-earth and thoughtful man. We know that before the novel, he was fighting against thoughts of suicide and other meanderings. Those thoughts followed him throughout the whole opening of the novel, with multiple ominous signs around the town of New Bedford. We also know he is a kind-hearted guy and loves his fellow men, and is a great judge of character. Therefore, as he sees Ahab, he doesn't outright judge him, but boy, does he get some hunches and feelings. I feel like Ishmael has only been proved right so far in this story. Since the beginning, he's had quite the feeling regarding Captain Ahab. And as we move and fight through this story, more and more will be revealed to us. I wonder what Captain Ahab thinks right now. And we will get into his head soon enough. But as he emerges up onto the sunny decks and gazes out onto the ocean, what moves through his mind? Thoughtlessness? Sadness? Is he focused on revenge? Is he worried about his crew? We'll have to read on to find out. But one thing we know for sure from all the hearsay, his leg was taken off by a whale. And they say he has sworn vengeance upon that great majestic yet ugly beast. They say he'd go to the ends of the earth and all oceans to find him. Heavy stuff. It's been a whirlwind of emotions thus far, and just so much fun. Herman Melville, as you all know, is a man I respect and love very much. I've had some gripe for how highly I speak of him, but I cannot hinder myself in that way. He's just an incredible author, down to his core, and I know he was a good guy. I've mentioned before, but I feel like Ishmael is a true reflection of Herman's mannerisms and beliefs. It seems his soul leaked into the novel far more than he intended it to. His colorful, at times abstract, verbose, and enlightening writing is soul food. And I'm wondering, how many of you are following along with your own copy? How many of you are just listening along? How many of you are new to this book, and how many of you have read it before or attempted to? Please send me a message and let me know where you're at. And do keep in mind that I often do book giveaways and other cool things like that. So again, follow me on Facebook and Instagram as well. 
Guys, wherever you're listening to my podcast right now, please subscribe to me and leave me a positive review if you've enjoyed what you've heard at all. If you want to speak to me, like I said multiple times, please reach out to me. If you want another place to find my podcast, you can have it on iTunes, uh, iTunes Podcast, CastBox, Stitcher, um, Podcoin. Find it wherever you guys are. What really helps me out mostly is um, iTunes reviews and Facebook recommendations. That's a hu- those are huge for me. To end this episode, I'd like to read some things from my notebook to you guys. Just some things I have jotted down. And the first thing that covers the entire first page in big writing, all caps, it says, do not stop writing. And the reason I wrote that on the first page is to give myself that reminder every day. Whenever I open my notebook, whatever I'm feeling, nervous, incompetent, apprehensive, I say this message to myself. Whatever it is, if I'm writing a poem about what I did, or a story I dreamt up, novelizing what I did that day, describing something I see directly in front of me, just do not stop writing, ever, no matter what. Replace the word writing with whatever it is for you, whether it's running, drawing, swimming, whatever it is, put that there and don't ever stop doing it. Especially if you're apprehensive about things like being judged or seen for who you truly are. It's a very difficult thing, but I know you can get past it. You can never have too much, but you can always have too little of these writings and things that are important to you. So keep your works and use them. I've heard of authors going back and reading their old notes when they were stuck on their novel and being restruck by their own inspiration. I'd love for y'all to throw these words up in your notebook or on your dorm wall, wherever it is. If you do throw that up there, snap a picture and send it my way. At the beginning of the next episode, I'll be reading some very short excerpts from a novel I've been working on for quite some time. I have ambitions to publish it, and I'd love to give you guys some glimpses into my personal writings. I'll also be reading all of your guys' poems and short stories, so send them my way, whatever they are. Don't be afraid to share them. Put them out into the world with confidence. Send any and everything to nightreadercast at yahoo.com, or go ahead and send them to my Facebook messages or Instagram DMs, wherever. Anything at all, and please don't be apprehensive about what it is. I will never judge you, and I will never pick and choose. If there's something you want shared, let me know and I will share it for you. Whether you want to remain anonymous or put your name out there, I'll shout out your page or whatever else I can do to help you out. Place yourselves in the shoes of the character at hand. It can be difficult to do with the societal and historical gap between now and then. But if we do, we find ourselves in a world where knowledge truly is power. And finding out how to slip your mind into a time where There was no pop culture, no news, nothing of that sort, is of utmost importance. Times change, but these moments are held forever in history. As if in stone slabs, these words ring true in their permanence. Pick up these books, fight through them with all your will. For when you emerge, you are sure to find something change inside of you. Something only you could reflect upon by being in the shoes of another. It is very intriguing to bridge that gap in your mind. 
I hope you will all pick up this story and follow along with me. I appreciate any and all feedback and I'm trying to make this podcast the best that it can be. This podcast was written and produced by Dylan C. Thank you all for listening and I will return soon. So go on, flip your pages, drop your sword, pick up your pens and reading spectacles. Let us read on.